Hi, this is Corbin Madden welcoming you to Words of Truth. We've been studying 1 Timothy for quite some time now. Uh, I hope it's been speaking to your life in the same way that it's been speaking to mine, because it's, it's encouraged me to change some things that I'm doing, and I pray that it's, pray that it's helped you as well. Um, the, the words of God should not be taken lightly. And that's one of the things that we talked about in Sunday school this morning. In, uh, in Nehemiah and in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we talked about the weight of the law. What a, what a gift that the Word of God is. And then Ezra, the, the high priest at that time, decided that let's take this seriously. And he stood uh, behind a pulpit of wood and he declared the word of the Lord to the people of Israel. And in our small way, we are doing the same thing today. I'm standing as a, uh, a pastor, a preacher, and a shepherd behind a pulpit of wood declaring the word of the Lord. To the people of God, and what a gift that is to uh, to be fulfilling this age-old practice of the people of God, as we break the bread, as some refer to it as, and the Word of God among the people. What a gift! First uh, Timothy, we've we've talked quite a bit uh, for the past two weeks. Uh, it's kind of like uh, we've taken a a slowdown approach and studying each one of these qualifications of what it is required of a bishop or a pastor or a shepherd, what is required of this job in leadership. But we've also been taking this in a, in a perspective where we're talking about each Christian's life and how these apply to everybody. Um, and I, I don't, want to uh I don't have to stress this enough. I cannot stress this enough is the phrase I was looking for. That every Christian in this room is a leader in some way, shape or form. Every Christian has a job and that was such a beautiful lesson that we had that Miss Teresa shared of that we all have a different job and a different role in God's plan. Um, just because you're different and you have a different function does not mean you are less beautiful, that you are less important. Because every aspect of God's creation has a, has a beautiful purpose. And what a, great, what a great lesson that was. We talked about how a leader is to be blameless, to have a good reputation. We should all strive for this as Christians to be continually getting better at being good, godly people. And part of the way that we do that is to read God's Word and to apply it to our lives. We talked about being the husband of one wife and in the individual life as men and women in the congregation, that, that role is to be faithful. And it's to discipline your kids when you need to be disciplined. 
just like he disciplines us. He's patient, but he does have limits. And uh, I think as we implement that in our lives, as the husband of one wife, we can apply that to everybody and say this implements, um, goodness, this means commitment and dedication. And as a, as a child of God, it, it means, represents discipline and dedication to God. Loyalty to him, to have no other gods before him, including ourselves. It's such, so easy to put other things above the, other, the, besides God in front of him. Um, we, we tend to be addicted to things. We're, we're dedicated to things that aren't him. We'd be faithful to God as one, what we would expect one to be faithful to his spouse. Um, or his or her spouse. We expect that, and God expects that as well. Be loyal to him. And that's the way we applied that to our, our personal lives, not just in the pastoral commitment or job description. We talked about last week about being vigilant, and we broke down that word in Sunday school, and it really breaks down to be watchful, to be careful. And uh, one of the definitions of that word was to be sober. And that's the next thing we talked about as well. To be sober in our practice, in our leadership, in our life. And that doesn't mean you just have to be super serious all the time. That means that you have a realistic outlook of life. And that we have a sincerity Take things serious and be sincere in what you do and what you teach. If, um, if I'm not sincere in what I'm talking about, if I don't put legs or feet to what I'm trying to teach you guys, then nobody will want to follow. It's an essential role as a leader to be sincere, to know what I believe, to be vigilant, to be studying what I believe, to be actively trying to figure that out. And you never stop learning, by the way. I don't think anybody in this room would deny that fact. There is never going to be a time in your life where you're like, I have arrived. I know all the information there is to know. Um, there's, there are plenty of people in this room who will say, nope, that's not true. Um, I, <laughs> I think that's just something that we're just going to have to get used to. Um, we are always learning. But take what you're learning seriously and try to apply it to our lives. And now we, we find ourselves discussing a few more topics. To be of good behavior, to be given to hospitality, and to be apt to teach. Let's read this passage once again, and then we'll pray and I'll share what God has laid on my heart. <coughs> 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, 
One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them, which are without or outside the church, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful for your word. I pray that you would speak today and that you would get me out of the way and use me, Father. Hide me behind your cross and empty me of any selfish thing. Speak to your people today, God. Use me, Lord, as an empty vessel to do your bidding. That's what I want and that's what they want. Shepherd your flock. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a leader or a pastor in this context must be of good behavior. And I remember growing up, <laughs> my mom always said, you better behave. And, you know, we, my little smart aleck mouth, I said, who's have? <laughs> um, and that got me in trouble. And I never learned my lesson on that, I don't think, did I, mom? I still say that. Who's have? But I know I better, better shape up or there are consequences. To be of good behavior is more than just doing good. It's to change the habits that you have in order to align your will with the will of one who is in charge. When you talk about a child behaving to their parents, you are talking about them respecting the authority that they have over you, respecting that, you know, you're older than I am. You've got a lot more experience. And boy, that was like driving a nail into a cinder block in my head growing up. Just, it was hard. You respect the people that are older than you because they've got a little bit more experience. They know. They've been there. There's a lot to be said about on-site training. There's a, there's a difference between just talking about it. I learned a lot about preaching in school. And I said last week behind the pulpit, I said, nothing in this entire world will prepare you for being a pastor other than doing it. There's nothing that compares you to, that, that you just can't. It's just like there is nothing to prepare you for being a parent until you are one. Erica and I were blindsided. We had no idea that our entire world would turn around on May 27th. And I'm blinking on the year because I'm terrible at math. 2021. On May 27th, 2021, at 1.07 in the morning, Erica and my life has never been the same. When that little screaming baby came into our life, and he's still screaming. <laughs> our life has never been the same. Nothing could prepare us for the challenges of the three hours of sleep that we got a night 
when that child came into our life. Nothing would prepare us for how beautiful and emotional it makes us when we see that little boy, when you say, you want to pray, and he takes his hands and he folds his hands. The pride and the, the joy that it is to know that this child is listening. And he's watching. Sometimes that's terrifying that he's watching and listening and he repeats things that you say. He's taught us to be careful and what we say around him because he repeats it. It's taught us to be diligent, to be an example of him. And he is learning how to behave. We are learning how to teach him how to behave. Sometimes in order to get him to behave, that requires him to have a little bit of pain. And it breaks our hearts when we do it, but it's necessary. I'm talking about spanking him. It's not, it's not fun. But he listens when we do. Because it's important to have discipline. To be of good behavior, I'm going to use this example. It's, it's desiring to do good. I want to make God happy. Asher wants to make us happy. When he sees that he's disappointed us, he knows he doesn't want to do that. Uh, with his, we call it his bop, because that's what he ended up calling it. Uh, his pacifier, um, he keeps it in his bed, because right now we're trying to wean it off, wean him off of it. He only gets it if he's wanting to take a nap or he's going to bed. He can access it. He has access to it, and the temptation is very real. And you can just see it all over his face. If you get near it, he's looking at it, and he's looking at you, and he's looking at that, and he's looking at you, and you're like, "Uh uh-uh. And then he just breaks down crying, you know, because it's the end of the world. (laughs) But there are times where Erica and I are sitting in the living room in the couch, and he's gone into his room to play with his toys, and he gets real quiet. He's hiding. And we go in there and we say, Asher. And he starts crying. Yep, you had it. I know you did. Or sometimes he'll grab it and he'll walk in front of us and just kind of like act like he's hiding it. Yeah. I don't have anything in my mouth. No, I'm good. We're teaching him to learn discipline. For him to want to behave, to want to do good, to make us happy. It's not that our love is dependent on him doing a good job, but he wants to do it because he wants to please his parents. And as children of God, our desire and our purpose is to please our maker. Because in a very, very small sense, of the word, Erica and I are Asher's creators. In a very small sense of the word, please don't get me wrong in that. We are examples and we are images, reflections of that. God created us and he's our father. And as, as Asher's parents, we are to imitate that and to, to represent that kind of authority over him. 
and love and patience. To let him cry it out sometimes. But also to say this is wrong. And there is a line. And in love we correct him. And in Hebrews we learn this. If, if the Lord is not disciplining you, then you're not his son. You're not his child. So the disciplining of the Lord is a good thing. And the disciplining of your children, the discipline of your leaders is a good thing. Our God desires us to be of good behavior, to do what is right and clean and good in the sight of the Almighty God. May our leaders be that way. Lead by example is another way of saying the same thing. To be a leader is to be imitatable. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, through chapter 11, verse 1, Be imitators of me as I am imitator of Christ. In other words, follow me because I'm following Christ. And if, and if that doesn't exemplify Paul fulfilling the qualifications that he has set for himself and for Timothy. He's striving for this. Paul is saying, you need to live a life as a leader that can be exemplified, that can be followed. Me and my mom were talking on the phone not too long ago. If you're leading some people and nobody, if you're leading and no one is following you, you're just out for a walk. If you're being an example, if you're leading someone well, they will want to follow you. And that's our role as parents. And we go back to that example. Asher, we want Asher to love us and understand that we love him. Therefore, I want to do what they say because I know that they have my best interest in mind. We want to foster that kind of love in the relationship that God has with us because we can trust Him. And He wants what's best for us. Eric and I were talking last night about the, the beauty of the law of God and how, how when you look at the, the law in the Old Testament and the things that that he asks of the people of Israel, it's very interesting that we have implemented a lot of those things in our lives today just for the sake of cleanliness. The practices that God uh, asked the people of Israel to do. Well, he didn't ask, he demanded. The, the law that he, he told the people of Israel to do, are especially with cleanliness, we practice in our hospitals today because that is the standard of cleanliness. Washing your hands. Doing things like that. And this stood out in that time. They had a standard. And God was that standard. And it was not out of, out of evil intent. You know, just do what I say because I said so. It's, this is good for you. You know, be good. Be of good behavior. Because it's for your own good. 
Understanding this is extremely important. My friends, the, the application of this point is, let us lead others into good behavior by having good behavior. We're examples. When you, uh, when you tell somebody that you're a Christian, people are starting to look at you. And uh, oftentimes we talk about the, um, being a pastor, you live in a glass house. Because I promise you, when, when I tell somebody I'm a pastor, there's a higher standard. People are looking at me. The people in my, my work, they don't, they don't call me Corbin. They say pastor. Because they know what my job is. And they have a higher standard. If I do something wrong, they say, well, I thought you were a pastor. thought you did everything well. Did you do that as unto the Lord? Ow, that hurts. Did you work as unto the Lord? So it's my job to lead by example. To have a to have a life that is above board, that is able to be implemented, you know, it's able to be imitated. And I want that. And a lot of times that holds me accountable. I could be bitter about that. People looking at my life and trying to find something wrong with it. It's real easy, I'm telling you guys, to get into an attitude of I don't care. care what people think. And there are some levels of leadership that that's required. But live a life that is able to be imitated. And I challenge y'all to do that. To be given to hospitality. I'm reminded, I think it was in Texas, but I can't really remember where it was. I've been to a lot of preaching trips. I preached a lot around the Midwest and everywhere. Been up to Michigan and been all the way down to Texas. So I've been up in that little span like that. <laughs> that's how it's been. On the, on the map, that's where I've preached. I've preached in that line right there. The Bible Belt, I guess. I went and stayed with a pastor, and it's, this is kind of a funny story, and it's kind of a, kind of a serious one, too. I went and stayed in uh, the bathroom that they said that I could use. I completely misunderstood what was going on in the situation here. They said, there's your restroom that you can use. And uh, it was just off of the guest bedroom that I was going to be staying in. I was staying at this guy's house to preach at a church. And they, they told me, he said, I'm not the pastor of that church. I'm the pastor of another church. And uh, the church that you're going to be covering at, and he gave me the address and he said, uh, I have a car here that is, uh, it's my wife's car, but we're going to be riding in mine to go to our church, and you can go to the other church, and just use my car. And I was like, wow, what an honor, you know, good grief. This is such a weird scenario here, right? Um, he said, use my car. 
But anyway, he's he's uh he showed me the restroom that I would be using, and there was no shower. It was a bathtub. Um which was I was thinking, wow, okay. Um <laughs> I just you know, I was like, you know what? This is fine. You know, it sure beats sleeping in my car, you know, and uh and so here we go. I woke up that next morning ready to getting ready to preach and I filled the bathtub up a little bit, you know, and and uh tried to conserve their water because, you know, I'm a guest in their home and I don't wanna fill the big bathtub, the big clawfoot tub with uh water and just, you know, make a make a day of it, make a pool day. Um <laughs> And so I was trying to be conservative of their water and I got the soap and I had a little cup that I had and I was washing my hair and, you know, I took a bath that morning. And uh, it was a little unorthodox, but I was grateful for what I had. They were very hospitable in that they gave me all this stuff and they... uh, but I got ready and I went over into the into the kitchen and she had made a breakfast uh, the wife had and and I was sitting down to eat and he said, "Have you already had a shower?" I said, "Yeah, I took a bath in that tub in the bathroom and uh, he said, "You could have used our shower. You have a shower? <laughs> yeah, it's in our bedroom." I was like, "Oh, okay." I didn't know that, but they had all this stuff available for me. I just didn't know. I misunderstood the situation. I just had to use the restroom in that bathroom in case I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. But their room, when they showed me, they were like, yeah, you could have used this shower. It was a walk-in shower. It was really nice. Um, But they were so welcoming. I had free reign in that house. I could... If I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning and needed a glass of water, I could have went into their kitchen. They said that I was more than welcome. And then they let me drive their car, which it was like a 30-minute drive to the church that I was going to preach at. I drove the car back, and then they took me back to the van where we were heading back to, back to Welch. They were hospitable. And when I think of hospitality, I go back to that. Even though it was so unconventional, they were the most loving people I believe I have ever encountered. I was so welcomed. And I was loved. And they had no clue who I was. That's hospitality. That's good leadership. It's a blessing to be able to, 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 to have people like that in our world. One of these characteristics of being a pastor or a leader is to have that mentality. Kind of the open door concept here. Um, I came to the realization while I was reading this that I don't really know how many of y'all know where I live. I think the majority of you do. One of the people in this room is the one that was our realtor, so she should know. And then Marlette, she drives by our house every day. Um, 
And so I know she knows where we live, but. And, and Farah, y'all, they, they fed our cat while we were gone on vacation. And Shannon and Therese has been here, been to our house. But there's a few people here that don't know where we live. And uh, if you want my address, by all means, I'll give it to you. Um, I want y'all to know that you guys are welcome at any time. If you need to come talk, if you want to come hang out in our backyard, we got a nice backyard. We're about to have a fence. After the 4th of July, we'll have a nice privacy fence behind there, and we'll have our little pool back there. And it's going to be nice. We're ready for it. <laughs> and so uh, if you all want to come hang out, grill hamburgers, we'll, we'll do that. Um, the train does go by, and it does, it's a little hard to hear yourself think. But you get used to it, you know. Um, this goes beyond inviting people into your house. Being hospitable is inviting people into your life. I was listening to a podcast on hospitality uh, this week. And that was one of the major points and major themes that I found when people were talking about hospitality. They were talking about, you know, it goes beyond inviting people into your house. It involves people being a part of your life. There's There's a difference between being hospitable and being entertaining. You know, when you're entertaining guests, you go and you go into this, I mean, with my ADHD, you know, this is, this is the hack, you know. You tell somebody that they're coming, they give you a time, and you go and you clean every little nook and cranny of your house right before the guest comes, you know. You go into hyper-cleaning mode. You clean, and everything's clean by the time they get there until your life looks perfect, Right? And you go over to somebody's house and you think, wow, if this is how they live, man, I'm failing miserably. You know? Do you live in this state of constant cleanliness all the time? Oh my gosh. You know, when you have a two-year-old, when you have a kid, there is no such thing as living in cleanliness. There are toys all over the living room floor. Erica and I had a break for like two days. And guess what? His room is still his floor is completely covered in toys. It's just, um, and it's funny because when, when, when he's gone, we can't bear to pick him up because it's like, it just feels weird when your house is clean after it's been two years of complete chaos and it's quiet. Erica and I woke up late this morning because our alarm clock didn't go off at seven o'clock. Asher wakes up at seven o'clock and he sleeps in, we sleep in. He's our alarm clock. You know, you just get used to these things. Anyway, I'm sorry. All of that was to say, when you're entertaining people, you have to clean up and you have to do all that. When you're inviting people into your life, the the example was used, I have this pile of laundry. And believe me, thanks to one of the, our, our lovely friend, we have a pile of laundry. This week, it's a blessing. We have donations to the clothing closet. I'll just, I'll, I need to put context to that. 
We got a big bunch of donations to the clothing closet. We needed to wash the clothes. And so we have a pile of laundry, like seven basketfuls of clothes. And what a gift it is to be able to have that. But hospitality says, come help me fold my laundry. Can you help me fold my laundry? Hospitality says, uh, hey, uh, let's hang out and just live life together. Entertaining says, I've got to get all this done so that I look good. It's important for us to understand We just have to be real. And I think it's, it's one of those huge blessings in the, in the world today. The younger generation, they're so sick of it. This stained glass, fake Christianity. That's why they're leaving. I'm in that generation. I'm sick of it. A fake Making things look good and look perfect when our whole world's falling apart. The church is called to be hospitable. To love people where they are at now. Why do you think the mentality has, has, has been... So often, I've got to clean my life up so that I can come to church. It's because we live that way. I've got to clean up. I've got to put the... Uh, I don't do this, obviously. I put my makeup on so I don't look like I've been crying. You know? I've got, to, I've got to shape up. I've got to put my mask on. And I've got to come in and pretend like everything is just perfectly fine in my life so I can come to church. Being hospitable is not that way. That's a show. That's entertainment. And my friends, it's not that entertaining. The sign of a true leader is being real. And saying, guys, I have seven baskets of laundry sitting in my living room right now. But if you want to come over... Come over. Let's tackle life together. My life is just as crazy and hectic as yours is. Maybe not yours, Teresa. Yours is insane. I don't know how you do it. Which Teresa? Both of them. Because <laughs> she's got to deal with me. <laughs> yeah, she's got to deal with you. You're a handful in, in and of yourself. And then she's got the chickens and the dogs and the. <laughs> what this is saying, what hospitality is, is living life together. I think the church has lost that. And I, and and this study, I pray that we can call ourselves back to it. Just inviting people into our lives and loving people. What a gift. God has given us our lives. Why would we cover it up?
You know, uh, we've been we've been saying this for a while. Everything happens for a reason. When God's in your life, when you have when you allow God to take over, He uses what Satan means for evil for good. He can take the things that we feel like are just devastating, like your turbo blowing up in your truck. For good. He did. He made me come home and spend time with her. You got to spend time with your wife. What a blessing. What a blessing for her. Because I know she's been praying and begging that he would have some time to come home. What a gift. God uses things that we think are horrible situations to bring good. What is money inside of eternity? What a gift. God gives us gifts if we listen. God can give us such good things out of the things that the devil and evil, he means for evil. But the terrible situation in your life that you may feel like you're in, let God turn it into something good. The trying of your faith work is patience and let God allow that patience to have its fruit of goodness God is good and he's good all the time invite people into your life and since I'm on overtime right now that's what I'm going to leave you with I challenge you to do this God will bring blessings to you and to those you seek to bless in his name. Ask God this week, God, what trial do you want me to honor and give glory to you for? What situation have I got in my life today that seems like it's devastating and that there's nothing good in it. What do you want me to learn from that? Maybe God is telling you to invite others into your life and your chaos. You might realize that your chaos is not so uncommon. My friends, we're all called to be leaders. We're all called to be a light in a dark world. If you're not doing that today, I challenge you to do so. I challenge you to let that light that God has given you inside shine. I don't know what that is. God has given you a gift and God's given you a job. You, he can use it for good. That thing that you think is not important might be just the thing that he wants. Allow God to take you in. To give you hope. Be blameless. 
Be faithful. Be vigilant. Be sober. Be of good behavior. Be hospitable. And as we continue to study these other ones, I pray that we do those as well. That we're willing to teach others about what God has given us. Not one of these qualifications goes without the other. They're all essential to each other. I pray today that you might seek somebody that needs to be in your life. There may be somebody and you need to be proactive about it. I talked last week. I didn't mention it here, but I mentioned it at the other church. Target people. And that sounds great, doesn't it? Find somebody that needs love. Back in high school, I was pretty good at this. I've not been as good as of late. I was in a youth group, and I would see the person that was sitting in the corner. That was my person. I'm going to go find him. I'm going to talk to him. Find the one that nobody wants to talk to. Talk to him and love them. Find the person that gets on everybody's nerves and they cannot stand and you just give them some affection and share God's love with them and just see what God can do through little old you. It'll change lives. My God loves the outcast. My God raises up unlikely candidates to do things that are great and mighty for his kingdom. Find somebody this week, I challenge you, and just make them, not your project, just make them, make it your goal to share God's love with them. And you're going to find that sometimes they'll do things that make you mad. And they might do some things that just really grind your gears and annoy you to death. But love them. Just love them. Unconditionally. We say that word a lot, but I don't think we really understand what that means. With no baggage. No conditions. Just love them. Because that's what God did to us. He loves you where you're at right now. Not... Not here in five years when you got your life planned out. Not when you finally stop doing that sin in your life. God loves you right now. And he died. He sent his son to shed his blood to become the atoning sacrifice for the sin in our lives. May we not take that for granted. So that we may give grace to other people. So we're going to have a time of prayer. I think we have a song prepared for, uh, for this time. I'm going to call you all to. If you'd like more information or if you'd like to pay us a visit, we're located at 1599 Fifth Avenue West in Springfield, Tennessee. Our phone number is 615-424-0427. We also have a website. Check us out at westendfwbchurch.com.